Yeah. Hey, 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 We are live action this evening for Yawa episode 72. Thanks everybody for being here tonight with us. All right, I got this situated. As we are waiting here, uh, we love to see those check-ins as you folks are bopping in. See a couple of them already. Kaylin Kelly from Alberta, Canada. Service Dog Max, hi. Not sure where you're from, but hello. I am, I'm going to do it tonight, I think. Oh, but. I don't wear my dang glasses very often, but I think I'm going to put them on because otherwise I sit here the whole time squinting at everybody. I do. Not, not a bad idea. No, they're, right back, I think folks. they're in the kitchen. He's getting old, guys. I've been old since kindergarten. Oh, no, I couldn't see him from here. Maybe I need glasses. Much better. I can see you, but I have these horrible shiny things on my face now. Whatever. Whole bunch of check-ins. This is awesome. Oh, hell yeah. Holy cow. Holy cow. Holy cow. California. I almost said Canada again. Kansas City. (laughs) Canada. 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 South Carolina. Sacramento, Canada. Never heard of there. Talkeetna, Alaska. Oak Grove, Missouri. Santa Barbara. Don, Melanie, and Duncan from Minnesota. Hey, guys. Santa Barbara. Thanks for coming out for that consult. I uh, think we made some really good progress. I hope that it helped. Uh, also, I want to say thanks for... Um, I saw today you put up a Google review for us. We appreciate that. Um, we definitely appreciate it. I saw it came through as five stars, which is fantastic. We love it. Holy crap. Yeah, all the check-ins. South Dakota, New Mexico. Just, it keeps scrolling. Yeah, and I think I bumped it. Uh, Nebraska, Gulf Shores. Thanks. Got it from the grocery store. Yeah. Colorado. Gulf Shores. Florida. What else we got? Nice shirt. Oh, that's Scott. Hey. Hey, Scott. How are you? Guys, this dude's uh, been killing it with his lab. Uh, I, I don't know if I can really stand to see another pile of dead geese, but I'm freaking <laughs> loving it. I just can't believe I haven't got the invite yet to come shoot them with you. The um, Surge of South Dakota, heck yeah, Kansas, checking in. A few more bopping in here. Um, I want to say, and we'll do this a couple times, just so that everybody is uh, aware, um, giveaway. Same thing as always. We have the... Um, Yawa giveaway at gmail.com is the email address. That's how you enter. All you have to be, folks, is present to win and submit your email address. Or, uh, send an email to the email address, which is Yawa giveaway at gmail.com. I'm going to do it here. It's exciting. You're so email. excited. Yawa giveaway at gmail.com. Just yes. put your name in the subject line so that it'll say your email and then your name. And then what we'll end up doing is a random number generator based on how many people enter. You will get 60 seconds. Now, what did we say? There's a little delay for us. I, we'll have to do a couple minutes, but yeah, two nothing minutes. extended. Two yeah. minutes, folks. Okay, so that's sent. And then pin it All to right. the top. And then to the top. Perfect. And message. Love it. Love it. And if this is your guys' first time tuning into one of our Yawas, uh, Yawa stands for You Ask, We Answer. And over the last 72 
72 episodes? 72 episodes. Things have evolved. Things have changed a little bit. Um, first, we started out not really knowing what we were doing, just talking, answering questions, and then it's evolved over this entire length of time. And we've come up with a method that we really like. We end up talking about a specific subject for uh, the first 20, 30, 40 minutes, depending on how long it takes. And then we move into answering questions. We do give priority to those super chat questions. So if you throw a super chat question up there ahead of time, that's something that we are going to answer. It's just not going to happen until we finish up our little spiel. Um, Tonight's I want to say something here real quick. Um, I've been playing phone tag. Irie Jones. Irie says right here. Buddy, you and I have been playing phone tag a little bit, and I called you and you didn't call me back. So, Irie and Karen from Washington, give me a call tomorrow. I'll be on the road, okay? So, I'll try you. back to the spiel. So, we're going to be talking about hunting dog injuries today as our topic of choice. Then, if there's any of those super chats rolling in, we'll answer those questions after that. And then, at the very end, we're going to do that giveaway. And the yeah, giveaway today... Yeah, what are we giving away? One of our aluminum made in the USA portable dog waters. These things are awesome. basically indestructible. Holds 1.2 gallons. You, so that I don't break something in the process, you tip it up like this. You fill it with water. All the water sits in here. You have a handle. Da-da-da-da. Towed it to your pickup truck. Set it in your pickup truck. When you want your dog to be able to drink, you flip it down. Glug, glug, glug. They can drink water, whatever they don't use. Tip it back up, and you're ready to go again. And you can rinse it out and clean it. Yeah, throw some uh, clean, fresh water in there, shake it around a little bit, and then you just drain it like that in reverse order of how you would tip it out the other way. Um, but I and I was um, I did a little quick Instagram live thing, too, just to let people know there that we were going live here in a minute. And... I mentioned there, I've actually used these things as like a trailer block or a break because they, they're literally indestructible. I don't even have one of these new ones with our logo on them because we've had them forever and they um, last forever. I think I've had the couple that I've had are over 10 years old. Pretty, pretty dang close. Yeah. They're and close. they're, I mean, a little scuffed up, but. Well, they look used, but they're fully functional. Yeah, they're not all new and shiny like the one we're giving away today. Yes. Um, The next thing I want to say uh, before we really rock and roll on this is I want to thank um, our largest sponsors specifically. And for those of you that don't know who that is, some of you are part of this. Um, It is the Patreon Collective. All right, folks, Uh, if you don't know, we have a, a Patreon account set up. Patreon.com slash Standing Stone Kennels. You can join us there and um, support the content. That is an option. Essentially, buy us a drink on Yawa Night. You know, it's um, a little way to say thank you as well as um, supporting us being able to create all this free content on YouTube for sure. And then the other side of it is. Um, a subscription service where you get access to us to assist you in dog training. So you have a video exchange tier and then you have a tier where we can set up people that don't like to message. We can do um, weekly phone consults calls. Yep, absolutely. And then um, the next tiers up go into live. So we actually FaceTime. I watch your training session or cat watches your training session, Google meets, whatever, basically live video chat. Yep. And then we are able to give you 
direction. Now, the thing that we have that is the most powerful thing that we can offer to you in assistance is not the videos that we put out online, but our ability to read dogs and training situations to be able to say, that looks right. I know it may not seem like that's right, but that's right. Or I know that that may seem like it's right, but it's wrong and you need to stop that. So all of these things wrapped up into um, helping guide you on the path. You get the the general process via YouTube videos. And then as you're trying to apply that and your dog throws a curveball at you, um, we have the ability to help you through those uh, to finish out your training process yourself. Yeah. And we get comments a lot that, man, you guys make it look easy when you do those videos with those puppies. And though they're the first time we've worked on something with a puppy so that we can make it as real life as possible so that we can show you how we have to work through things. Ethan and I have been doing this a really long time, so we don't mean to make it look easy. It just kind of becomes easy when you do it as often as we do. So if you're struggling following along with those videos, knowing which videos are next or applying the videos to your own training session. That's where those live sessions can really be helpful because what's the most important part of dog training guys? Timing. Timing. (laughs) All right. So again, that's patreon.com slash standing stone kennels. And if you love what we do and you, um, and, or also, and, and, or need some help with training your dog, hit us up. Patreon.com slash standing stone kennels. All righty. Well, we are rolling right into hunting season. Ethan actually Mm -hmm. leaves Right and early tomorrow morning to head up to South Dakota. I know we've been talking about it for a little bit, but uh, folks, this is life. I mean, we breed, raise, train hunting dogs, family-oriented hunting companions. But at this, I used to say family hunting companions, and I was like, wait a second, we we're don't not hunt hunting families. families. <laughs> um, but family-oriented hunting companions, and so the hunting time of year is what we train for. It's what we prep for. It's what we live for. And it's finally here. Yeah. And the dogs gain so much experience from these opportunities to guide with you in South Dakota. It's Mm -hmm. unparalleled because birds make a bird dog. And we have a young string going with Ethan this year. I do. Uh, We got a lot of youngins. Just a little uh, trace for me this evening in a a cute little bottle. Look Look at how cute that is. It's so cute. Um, we have a young string that Ethan's going to be taking, which will be great for them to gain a ton of experience. Uh, Thunderbutt's going back up there. He was there last year as well. So he's technically seasoned, though he's still fairly, fairly young. Um, then we've got Miss Trix, who she was born last year while Ethan was guiding. So she's getting her first season up there this year. Miss Twister's going up. Splash. We've got Hazel. Um, Allie mama, she's a seasoned vet. She'll be going up there, uh, showing the youngins what they need to do. And guess who else is going puppy shock. Aiden is a little disappointed that she won't be here, but he will get over it and she will gain a ton of experience even at just six months old. So absolutely. And we do have, for those of you that are getting ready to come into your first hunting season with your dog, we have a video, um, Essentially, it is the three things that you need and then some other things that are really freaking nice to have. Uh, but the the minimums that we say you should have with your hunting dog before you go hunting with them. Um, and this is kind of a cool little known fact to folks uh, as far as our YouTube channel goes. If you go to YouTube and the search bar at the top, you type in standing stone kennels. 
and then what you want to learn, it will bring up our videos as well as some others, but primarily our videos that fall into that category. Um, and if you want to see the videos in order, jump onto our channel and hit the playlist section. That's where we have everything organized. We have puppy training basics playlists. We have healing work. We have retrieving work. We have... Uh, woe training, woe training, crate training, puppy whelping. A bunch of different playlists to kind of bring it all into a collective for you. Easier to find, easier to sort through. To so. make it as organized as we possibly can because YouTube is basically a search engine for videos. That's exactly uh, what it is. Yeah. And <laughs> speaking of puppy stuff, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have seen our most recent videos that have been out. We've been talking about whelping a litter of puppies and the essentials that you need for that. And we've got a few more videos in the queue, ready to edit, ready to post as soon as they're done. Um, talking about some really cool things. Uh, we have three litters on the ground currently, so we've got a lot going on, right? Uh, Muddy and Grit both had their litters very close together. If you follow us on social media, you may have seen a little preview about that. I just posted their weekly um, updates because they're one week old. And we had the opportunity with this situation to surrogate some of the puppies to even out the litters. And we shot a video about that process. It's really cool, really interesting information. So I think that you guys will really enjoy that video. It should be coming out soon. Um, And then, like I said, we've got three puppies on the ground, another one on the way. Questy pup is pregnant and she should be due um, the beginning of November. So we will have four litters on the ground at the same time for a little while. And uh, there will be a lot of content that we can put out to help educate people Um, which is really what we try and do and help people learn. So definitely be checking out some of those upcoming videos. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, do that. Turn on the notifications so you don't miss when we put out a new video. Sweet. So uh, tonight, we don't want to scare everybody, you know, hunting dogs. There's It's like watching Jaws before you go to the, you know, beach. Eh, Kind of. So we're not trying to scare you. We're just trying to make you aware and prepared and share a little bit of storytelling because we've been there, done that, seen a lot. Sure. And um, I thought it would be kind of fun slash interesting to talk about some stories. So first and foremost, we want to go way, 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 way Way back. back. Um, Pretty lucky to begin with with our dogs. Didn't really have any injuries. I'm trying to think because before... I mean, so think like anything that major happened. Yeah. So last live Yawa, we talked about foreign body infections. Yep. And so we're not going to get into any of those specific injury hunting related stories because we talked a long time about that. And that is one that you guys should definitely go back and watch. If you have hunting dogs, if you have adventure dogs that you take out in the field with you, um, highly recommend watching that one, something that could save your dog's life. But we're not going to get into those stories um, again tonight, but we want to talk about some of the stories that we haven't talked about. Um, And like Ethan said, we were pretty lucky, and I can still consider us to be pretty lucky. Um, The injuries that we've had have not been, you know, super major for the most part, and um, getting dogs to the vet in a timely fashion have been important. Um, So... Let's talk about the very first one, which actually didn't happen while we were hunting. No, it did not. You got Callie down first. Callie huh? down. That was who I was going with. I don't know. Did you think of one way back before Callie? No, I, 
How did I how did I screw us up? You're like completely off center now. I don't know, honey. Go back. Go back. I'm going. Nobody wants to see me anyway. Come on. That's all people come up for. I'll just scoot closer to you. I love it. All righty. Okay. So Callie Mama. So this was weird. Okay. We had Callie and her puppy Maggie and her puppy Lady. We were playing Chuck It. Which, Which we don't really we, do anymore. We don't do anymore. I mean, so that tells you how long ago this was. And um, because, you know, tennis balls, fetch, retrieving, sloppy habits. But the dogs were having a heyday, chasing the ball, bringing it back, chasing the ball again, bringing it back. And um, we had... On our old property, which was pretty much an old farmstead, there was a concrete slab where an old windmill had been. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there were still a few very short uh, posts sticking out of the ground. Two by two angle. So yep. you're looking at like a 90 degree angle post sticking up out of the ground. And Dangerous. I didn't think too much of it, you know? Danger, Will Robinson. Well, I didn't think too much of it. Didn't either. So we had, uh, because there was a, um, a hand pump while there, we used that to fill a little water, water tub, big water tub, so the dogs could jump in it, cool off, and dance around. Um, this was back before we had indoor kennels even. So we had uh, five or six kennel runs on a slab and barrels with hay where we were taking care of a few dogs, and we kept some of our dogs in the house. So long time ago. And yeah, um, this was nuts. All right, folks. So- she, the dogs, pumped up, hauling butt, competing, doing their thing. She comes back and she jumps over the over water bucket, the water tub. Now this was probably like a three by four. Yeah, it was a big stock, a big stock tank, rubber stock tank. Yep, Th- three foot wide, four foot long. So she goes to launch over this because she got kind of pushed into it as the dogs were competing on the way. Pushed in, she launched over that, and then. Right spears into herself her right into her freaking chest um just uh to the left of the top of the so it was like right in this zone absolutely insane okay we uh she lived she lived spoiler yes alert. spoiler alert yeah let's caveat that so she was definitely hurting as soon as she unimpaled herself now and- big big thing with this though still because we watched it happen it was like oh my goodness um let her walk it off for a second. Let's see exactly what is injured. What is happening here? Evaluate. I don't see blood going. So let's evaluate what happened. Yes. And then she walked it off a little bit. She was definitely hurting and we evaluated what was going on and we could see way down inside where we probably shouldn't be able to see from the outside. And we could see that. She was very lucky. We were very lucky. And we immediately took her into the vet, had to do a lot of cleanup. And then she had multiple layers of stitching. So she had to have internal stitches to close up the muscle. And then above that, the skin, she had to have stitches as well. And then obviously antibiotics, keep that all clean. And it could have easily been a very scary situation, much scarier than it was. Um, And we were fortunate. And guess what? Those two by two angles got chopped off at ground level the very next day. Uh, we learned our lesson from that experience as well with, you know, 
making sure that when we're playing these kind of games with the dogs, that they aren't necessarily paying the best attention and not, you know, advocating for themselves and they get caught up in the moment. And so we need to say, Hey, let's make sure that this is as safe as possible to play these games. And that falls into pretty much everything for the dogs aspect of stuff. Like I, you know, even just on the tailgate, this is going to make you cringe for the rest of your life. Okay. So on the tailgate, um, it has the cable part right that comes down to support the tailgate and there's that little triangle here well, why for, do dogs try and for whatever put their reason, legs through there yeah they 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 try and bail off the side right that we've got four foot here straight out the back you can just go off the back they try and bail off the side well then they ship shimmy skimmy whatever they're gonna get a leg caught in that fall off snap the sucker in half right or Ah, Which speaking okay, of you snapping said, in half. I know. Ah, so first of I all, got though, another one. Yeah, another one. We've never had a dog do that. They we come haven't. close, and it and it makes you cringe every time. And yeah. you kind of like, I'm the worst about things like that because I go. <gasps> Oh my God. Every time. You should watch a scary movie with this lady. Speaking Oktoberfest, anybody wants to come over, watch a scary movie with Kat. She is literally more scary than any movie ever invented. I promise you. Anyway, so it just gives you that like anxiety, panic attack that the dog is going to get their legs stuck in there. Two and a half seconds early, cat screams, you lose your crap, then nothing happens. (laughs) It could have happened though. It could have happened. So back to snapping legs. Uh, so uh, this is a dog that we uh, yeah we sold as a started dog right before the first season this dog was going to get to hunt with with his new owner. You know those rock guards that get mounted on the back of a pickup truck lower so for the mud flaps. Yep. So it's kind of like a mud flap, but it's a rock. It's a big rock guard to protect like your boat or your trailer or whatever's pulling behind your bigger truck. Um, it's, there's like a little gap. There's like a little gap big enough for dog's leg to, if they try and jump over the tailgate into the back of the truck and miss, they fall down and get their leg caught and, and then snap it right in half folks. Okay. Also, he recovered well from that, but he still has a metal plate in there in that front bone and you can feel the screws, um, in that plate. So, and of course he missed out on that first season of hunting. So of hunting as a started dog, trained dog. So, uh, yeah, definitely. It makes things, my skin crawl. I don't know about y'all. You guys sitting here listening to the, and it's just that. Can you imagine that pop noise? That Cringy. Would, okay. Um, I did notice that we've got about 50, 60 more people tuned in, which is oh, cool. fantastic. I wanted to say to everybody, tonight's giveaway right here. Uh, Standing Stone Water. You can check them out, standingstonesupply.com. If you want to see more info while you're waiting, throw that up in a side browser there. Um, all you have to do to enter, it's pinned at the top. Just send us a quick email to yawagiveaway at gmail.com. You're entered. Must be present to win. We'll give you a couple minutes and then... So we'll be randomly drawing a number. That number will associate with an email email number that came in and then we'll be announcing that at the end. Do not go to our contact form. Do not send me emails uh, or cat emails or text us or comment in here. Just it has to be through that email. giveaway at gmail.com. Yep. All right. Yep. So, okay. This one was an interesting one. Vex wasn't even at an actual hunting situation. It was training. We were training with Vex and 
This guy is a wild man. As a young puppy, we literally thought there, if there's a way for this dog to injure himself, he will, because when he is out hunting, he is all in, he goes hard and he's very driven for retrieves. And so what did he do? Very driven for a retrieve through a barbed wire fence. And he was really actually like really whoop, graceful about We're it. Quail just like, hunting. I think, I don't think we were quail hunting. We were training. Maybe we were training with quail. Yes. We, we were prepping yeah. for probably masters. Probably. So he just bloop, right through the fence and his little ear got bloop, split complete in half. And I don't know if you guys have ever had an ear injury. I didn't even notice. No, because like, he didn't there, even skip a beat. No, because there was no retrieve that happened. And he was like, hey, get your butt back over here, whatever. We don't, we don't own that side of the fence. So come back over here. We hunted the rest of the deal. And then... No, he came back through the fence and I was like, oh my gosh, look at all that blood because he uh, was just red down the front and I... Ears bleed a lot, guys. It looks like a murder scene. Ears and tongues is horrible. Bleed forever. Yeah. And so we evaluated him and saw that his ear was completely split and we were like, well, that's not good. So um, finished... Went to a little... Uh, a local vet. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Local vet, closest one we could get into at the time, because that definitely needed attention quickly. It needed to be sutured. It needed to be sutured well. Otherwise, um, necrosis basically starts on those edges of the tissue right away, and blood vessels die, and the healing process won't be as clean, and there's a potential that it wouldn't heal well together. At all. At all. Um, Poor Breezy had a very Uh similar situation happen, and her ear still goes... Just just like that. that. No. Replay it. And so I had Vex and I, so we had to divide and conquer because we also had a trailer full of dogs that were out for training. So Ethan went back to the kennel to get the dogs put up. I went straight to the vet and we get into the vet. And what does he do immediately when he walks in? Shakes his head all over the place. And we didn't have any med kit with us. We didn't have anything to, you know, wrap his little noggin up to keep that ear from flapping around before we got to the vet. And so there was blood everywhere. The ceiling, the reception's desk, people's faces, like everywhere. Um, got him back into the back. They stitched him up and it healed really, really well. You can't even tell unless you feel his ear and you can feel that little bit of scar tissue where the, you know, splice basically happened, but visually it looks great. Um, and we were lucky that it did heal so well. Speaking of barbed wire fences, somebody else commented in here was that with an English, English pointer. Um, the cycle was all pumped up on a pheasant retrieve and it ran right through a barbed wire fence. Yeah. Now, I was hunting with some dogs. This was probably maybe eight years ago now. It, yeah. It, well, it was back in Norton. Yeah, eight, eight or nine years ago now. So um, it was, no. So Nick's turns 10 in March. He's old. Yeah. So it would be nine years ago. Uh, it was his first season. He was like, six or seven or whatever it is months old and I was hunting with a couple guys and they had their dogs and I had my dog and we hunted this area that had um it was fenced off it was not very wide it had a little draw that ran down through it It it's pretty cool property and then up on top was agriculture on both sides and a big old plum thicket and it kind of wide out and then there was agriculture in the middle so the but they had it all fenced off because I think they grazed the draw on occasion. And 
this dog just, we, we all watched it happen. We were walking back through and we see she came through the fence and she just slowed up a little bit, right? So it was just insane. She just slowed up and then continued on hunting. And then we could see she seemed just a smidgen off, but there was no Yelp. There was no anything. Dang, these all. dogs are tough, guys. So we get her over to us. He, the guy that owned the dog, he was like, hey, um, something's wrong here. And she had literally caught that barb up here in her chest and it took it all the way down. It caught underneath her skin and it zipped all the way down to the center of her abdomen. Her guts weren't actually spilling out, but pretty dang close. And we had to take off a jacket and lay her down and basically wrap around her to continue to keep things in because it was that bad. Um, Cat wasn't there. And we, and new, brand new fences are the absolute worst, I feel like. They're so tight. mm -hmm. Nice job, fence workers. I appreciate you. But, um, but it, it took her. So, I mean, at just that little bit of a skip a beat through the fence and then all the freaking way down. Okay. Got to the vet. A lot of, we got to the vet. She's fine. Yes. She stitched up, but yep. scary deal. And you carried her out of the field. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like she walked no, out. No, just wrapped her up and then took her. She sat in the back seat. I drove out there. Um, but this is the other thing that a lot of folks and I've seen. I've seen somebody, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna poke him too hard, but he has like extreme anxiety around fences because of one or a couple accidents or something to the point where woes the dogs, walks over, picks them up puts them on the other side of the fence. And um, I have found the more I try and interfere with the situation, the more they do something silly. Yes, the dogs have been hit. They've been cut. They've been torn a couple times. But I feel like once they do. In the percentage of how many of our dogs cross barbed wire fences with no issues. Yeah, there are times that they just play hopscotch all the way down the dang fence line. And when you're quail hunting, that's essentially where a lot of times edges and stuff like that. That's where you're hunting. So we just dogs bounce back and forth across the fence for a half a mile or a mile or farther. Right. And they get torn up on occasion, but it doesn't have like the bad stuff very rarely happens. So and it's almost good if they learn how to I would maneuver rather, I'd rather the fence get line. poked once and go, ooh, maybe I should be a little more careful with this fence. And then usually going forward, you don't have any more issues. But Yeah, but I do want to mention with barbed wire fences, the importance of tailgate checks when you do finish a field. Um, obviously with that dog that you zipper You find them lined. in like the armpits. Yeah, we actually, I think, have a video. Was it Deacon? From yeah. your South Dakota trip yep, last yep. year that he had to go in and get stapled up in his like armpit chest area. Um, I think the video was titled something along the lines of um, when to take your dog to the vet. So again, standing stone kennels, when to take your dog to the vet would <laughs> and, get you that video. Yeah, pretty close. And it um, would have been something that would have been easily missed for a little while um, if you didn't do a tailgate check. Some of those places, yeah. back flaps, um, you know, on their flanks, their chest, um, even down the back. Um, sometimes they'll get like one line down their back, um, but they've got such thick coats that you might not see that right away. So it's just really important to do tailgate checks, not only for barbed wire, but for any injury that your dog could have from seeds in their ears, their eyes, their nose to, you know, 
issues in their mouth, if they got a stick up the, you know, wedged up in there, um, between the toes for stickers, barbed wire cuts, things like that. Just a once over is really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what other stories we, I had a whole bunch written down because we, like I said, we've seen a lot. Um, we, I remember those two issues mm, Yeah, and Go, um, go for it. So kind of working the same timeline ish. Um, a long time ago, we had an issue with our female snap. Now, this is something that's becoming a lot more prevalent uh, more recently. And there are direct links to early space and neuters. There are also, I believe, in my opinion, um, it's becoming more popular as it's more. Ooh, is well this known. one of your brutally honest comments? We haven't had one of those in a really long time. Actually, we have not. Okay. So um, here here it is. Okay. Uh, We're specifically talking about CCL tears, right? What is a CCL? It's basically similar-esque to a human ACL. Okay. It's there for support. It's not required for... um, you to be able to walk around. You can tear your ACL and walk around just fine. You may be stiff, sore, in pain at the immediate happen of the injury, but you can walk. Same thing with a dog. They Speaking can Speaking from experience only. Speaking from experience only. Yeah, I tore mine. And it was pretty bad, lots of swelling, and I actually had to let all of the swelling go down. And I walked into the last, into the appointment for me to have surgery, you know, and you just get a little like catch every once in a while. Now, if I tried to do physical activity, be an athlete or whatever, it would have been a bad deal. Basic walk without being repaired. Yeah. Not, not a huge issue. Um, so CCL tears, here it is. Um, I think now that we've gone from not truly knowing what the injury is to blanket TPLO surgery, every single dog that gets a little gimpy on their knee. All right. Prime example here. Snap. We took her to the vet and the vet said, torn CCL. When can we schedule your surgery? And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. First of all, she was pretty old at that point in time. Not that I wouldn't do anything for my dog, but we're talking a few thousand dollar surgery. I'm just going to double check and make sure that it's actually needed. Maybe get a second opinion, maybe not. So talk to somebody and Ah, they said, you know, what you could do is rest her and see. Well, we rested her uh, for approximately six months. Uh, We rested her about one to two months and then uh, tried to do a little exercise. She still came up where she was a little lame, not near what it was the first time, but a little lame. So then we rested her for approximately four more months, six months in total, no strenuous exercise, and she never had an issue with it ever again. So um, acute trauma can happen and give you a full tear or partial tear. Most of the time when we see bad CCL injuries that need to be replaced, it is a structural issue and it is from overuse. Okay. That is typically why the other knee um, then tears later because something isn't built right. And it's getting overused improperly. And brutally honest, way too dang many TPLO surgeries are happening. And I think that uh, us as owners need to do a better job about being okay with the hard work that is 
resting a sporting dog and the given up that uh, hunting seasons that have to happen and or time of training and or exercise and or whatever. It is hard freaking work and it is beneficial. Yeah. And, you know, seeking a second opinion or having an MRI done to actually Mm. know what is going on before we just say, well, let's just cut into it and do surgery. Not that there is not a place for a TPLO surgery. Absolutely. uh, It is a thing to tear a CCL. We're not saying, hey, Kat and Ethan at Standing Stone Kennel said, I shouldn't get surgery for my dog if they tear their CCL. That's not what we're saying. We're saying advocate for your dog in this situation and just be confident that they truly do have a fully torn CCL and that rest and recovery aren't an option for you um, for that recovery without just blanket, let's do surgery. Absolutely. Now. Oh, no, I want to go now. Oh, go for it. Go now, now. No, I called you you out. I called the vets out. Okay, so I'm going to go because I want to talk about the length of recovery. We kind of talked about that with Snap, and that kind of makes me want to segue into these next two situations. Let's do it too. Um, So we were just talking about extended amounts of rest, and we started this off saying how Ethan's going to be guiding with a pretty young string of dogs. Um, Not very many veterans are going to be joining him uh, because Nyx and Vex, that's right, are both on the injured reserve list and have been there for a while. Different Um, injuries. Different injuries, yep. Uh, Getting old, boys. Yeah, I know. Well, Nyx injured himself at the end of last hunting season, um, tore his gracilis major. I think just gracilis. I think I called it gracilis major. Let me look this fact check fact real check quick. Me. Um, I'll, I'll fact check me real quick. Kind of like his hamstring. This. Is that right? Yes, essentially. Essentially his hamstring. It was all balled up in the back of his thigh. He was gimping on it. He could hardly walk on it. Um, it was so tender and painful for him. And that sucker had to rest and rest and rest. And then we thought, okay, it's been a couple months. Let's go ahead and just do a light, you know, exercise with him. Start limping again. Uh, went to the vet multiple times, had it examined. And they're like, what you really need to just do is rest this thing. Um, and they gave us some um, physical therapy, basically, that he can do, um, including basically multiple sits uh, and making sure he's super square, uh, doing some treadmill time, water treadmill time. Um, what else was on his uh, physical Looks therapy like just list? just gracilis muscle. His gracilis muscle. And humans actually have a gracilis muscle too, but it's more in your hip um, and uh, helps with adductor, abductor type of things. Okay. So... We have one, so it's but it's more like a, a dog's hamstring area. It's the big one in the back. Inner thigh, kind of. Kind of, right? Straight up the back. Yeah, yeah, and we could see that. Yeah. The tear on the inner, it wraps around. around yep. Yeah, wraps around. So he has some physical therapy he's doing and reconditioning, light walking on the treadmill. And this boy is not getting to go hunting this year. So he is staying home with me. Uh, continuing to recover, rehabilitate. And I will tell you, for an almost 10-year-old short hair, this guy is driving me crazy. <laughs> this would be your gracilis muscle. Okay. Like inner thigh area. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Inner thigh area. I could have just said that, but I had <laughs> but, to show her. Yeah, he did. Um anyway, so Nix is driving me crazy. He this dog needs to work. He wants to do something. He is trying to gallivant around the house like a little puppy dog. Uh he is he needs to work. And he's unfortunately ready. He, he, he can't. Thinks he's he thinks ready. he's ready. Yeah. But like we said, we have to advocate for our dogs. We have to say, no, buddy, you may think you're ready, but you're just going to go out, work hard, and hurt yourself again if we don't, you know, work into this slowly, recondition you properly. And I <laughs> want him to be healed up sooner rather than later, but wishing won't make it happen. And so he is on, like I said, the injured reserve list, um, but he is a lot of dog. And that makes me just realize we work our dogs a lot. They get to train a lot. Uh, they do have downtime as well, but not typically extended months upon months upon months upon months of downtime. And not even weeks. Typically, no. Yeah. And so for people that are interested in getting short hairs, I'm just segueing off onto a little tangent here quickly, uh, that are interested in getting short hairs, but just basically want to, you know, family house couch potato dog, a short hair is not the right dog for you. They are going to drive you absolutely nuts um, and not be an enjoyable part of the family to live with because they need to work. They need to burn off some of that energy. They're a high energy breed that have been bred for a purpose. Um, And so if your purpose isn't necessarily hunting, that doesn't mean you can't have a short hair, but you have to have something that they can do to expend the energy necessary um, to be a little more laid back when it comes to house time. Absolutely. I'm, I wonder if that thing is moving because you see how it's moved again on us. How is it moving? I don't have any idea. Anyhow. I don't know. Um, so then in that category, Vex, we talked about, right? So he's a different. And he's the thumbnail dog. Everyone probably is like, Ooh, what is going on? This looks serious. Yep. Uh, big, big time imaging work to find out if there was anything in his shoulder. So in the shoulder-esque area, I got to learn all about this, folks. It's kind of fun. So they have bicep and tricep and a bunch of other things that connect in there, which all of them kind of wrap down to the knee area, which is why it's important to look at our elbow, excuse me, um, elbow dysplasia, dysplastic dogs, it's a thing. All the dogs have uh, the OFA elbow exam, if you will, and there's no issues um, on that according to those x-rays. But so one of the things that he specifically wanted to look for, the veterinarian, that is he, um, those muscles, bicep, tricep, and some other ones in here, they wrap around and a lot of them connect around that elbow area or wrap around that elbow area. You can have small detachments. And it was interesting to me. He said, you can have elbow issues and they display as shoulder pain issues. So that was one thing that he was specifically looking for. Then he also said, Um, You can have bicep tears, tricep tears. You can have just strains. um, And any type of shoulder region will display as like inner shoulder pain, just that area. So um, basically, again, did advanced imaging type stuff, found it's all soft tissue related and was already on the mend. There was very little inflammation. Now, again, we had rested for... With the, the course of action with him was we'd rest, we had an injury. Um, 
gave him anti-inflammatory pain reliever. That happens. Dogs come up with little gimps here and there. They're better in a couple days, a stinger or whatever. Um, gave him a week off, ran him again, got sore. More meds, gave him a month off, ran him again, got sore. Gave him three months off. Long time, folks. Then in that time period, I was able to get in there, get him checked out. And when we say resting them, like on lead, on lead potty breaks. Potty breaks. Yep. In the house, sleeping on the couch, whatever. Um, no jumping crated, up. Yeah. No jumping up, no jumping down. Yeah. On leash, out to potty every single time they go out. And he's finally to the point where he's off lead, but he's got an e-collar on so we can keep him around, you know, don't go farther. Yeah, you're not going to go just gallivant through the field because they definitely feel like they want to and they will just re-injure themselves. So he has soft tissue injury in his shoulder from being a wild man or whatever. And um, now he will not hunt at all this fall. I want him as a six-year-old dog. Mm Mm-hmm to have anywhere between three to five good more hunting seasons. And in order to be able to do that, I also had the luxury of having this deep string of other young dogs and everything else upcoming, but um, he will not hunt this fall at all. And we are starting physical therapy again with him as well. It involves um, swimming is important, which we're just about out of swimming time, but also we'll utilize our treadmill proper gait, Things like that are going to be beneficial. Um, some balance stability work as yes, well. Yes, correct. Um, we have a new thing that we picked up that's from Blue, is it Blue Nine? Is Blue that Nine, yeah. yep. So it's where the climbs are from. Yep, we they have. have some stuff and we're going to start teaching the dogs that. So the interesting thing about these stabilizer things, it's basically like um, little cushions that they have to stand on. We have to actually train them how to do this first. And we're going to try and show some of that process and see if we can get a video together to put to show you what clicker training, a new behavior like that would look like. But um, we essentially have to teach that first. Then we can, and in that process, they'll develop this um, working on those micro stabilizer muscles. Because what can happen is eventually the swelling goes down, but the actual weakness never gets fixed, which is an interesting thing. Um, I do a lot of, you know, body health type stuff as well. And um, I am going to butcher it now. What is it called? I don't know. It's a muscle activation type thing. People have heard of, you have ART? sore. No, it's not that, but it's similar. Oh, it's the other thing that you did that was really yes, fun? it's a muscle attachment. Therapy Activation, no. Um, attachment, muscle attachment activation, no. I don't know. I will figure it out. Um, basically though, if you've ever had a massage or know what a massage is or anybody's ever rubbed your back, you have sore muscles, whatever, you have a big ropey section, the meat of the muscle, the belly of the muscle, whatever it's called, and you're it's inflamed and you're rubbing on that. And when you rub on that, you're essentially irritating it more, which in turn is bringing blood flow to that, helps it heal. Eventually, the swelling go, goes down. So if you have like a deep tissue massage, a lot of times you can be sore for upwards of three days maybe. And then you're like, oh wow, I feel so much better. And then you rinse and repeat that process. Well, the reason that you're coming up with soreness so says this science or um, whatever you want to call it, is because you actually have some form of weakness, right? That makes sense. I have weak muscles somewhere. My other muscles are compensating for the weak muscles. Therefore, 
They get sore. We let them heal. We repeat that, and we never solve the problem. So this guy, who is actually a massage therapist, and he's like, this goes against everything I've ever done in my entire life, but it works. So they come in, and he massages at muscle activate, uh, muscle attachment points. So let's say like, okay, we're going to do the bicep. He does some different strength type things and checks this movement, this movement, different angles, like because there's, there's multiple muscles that run in that area or your shoulder or your hip or your whatever. Um, checks those and goes, okay, here is the weakest portion of this. Then takes at those attachment points of the weak muscles and does massage there, deep tissue massage, probably the worst pain that I've ever volunteered for in my life. And, um, works that aspect of things over just attachment points. And then it kind of helps with like a mind muscle thing. You're activating those weak muscles, which then once they're activated, you, um, can know that they're there. You can think about that there. You can do little exercises that are part of that to train those specific weak zones. And then you can prevent the issue from happening further. So long story short, we're doing similar type things-ish with the dogs in the form of stabilizer muscles, the little ones, because the big ones can overcompensate. And then we essentially create issues again, or the injuries repeat or the, or those smaller muscles atrophy. We don't have the stabilizers that help prevent these things. Which is why grandpa, who's almost 16 years old, has a lot of, you know, weakened muscles, atrophied muscles. And that guy is pretty unstable on slippery floors and things like that, where he needs that stability. Um, So we have to make sure the other dogs aren't bumping into him because they'll knock him over really easily because he is so unstable. Um, Just because he's getting old and those muscles start to atrophy for sure. Yep. So... Okay, I think that those are most of the injuries other than the one last ones that I wanted to mention. And we don't have to go into a lot of details, but porcupines, folks. Somebody said I'm definitely afraid of porcupines. Well, we have two videos on our YouTube channel. Hopefully that this year, Ethan will not be repeating the experience because both of these have happened in South Dakota. Yeah, in nine years, we've killed... Three porcupines. Three. Yep. And, and two, two of, them. of them have gotten it. No, four. I've killed four. Oh, okay. Well, I thought three. They're always in the dang shelter belts. And two of them have gotten dogs. One was Muddy. Yeah, one was four. Hatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have videos on both. Hatch was way worse than Muddy. Yes. Um, and showed that process. Uh, the only two times we've had porcupine interactions and learned a lot from the first situation to the second situation. And everyone always says, why didn't you take to the, the dog to the vet? Get anesthesia, yada, yada. Well, first of all, in the time it took us to complete the process, we wouldn't have even been to the vet yet. Yes. And so in, you have to make your own decision of how close you are to a vet. If you have someone to help you hold a dog and do the process, how many quills they have, where the location of those quills are. Um, so you have to make that decision for yourself, but with Hatch and Muddy, um, timing was essentially going to be better for them and they didn't have so many quills and in places that definitely needed veterinary care. So it was able to be done, you know, immediately, which also allowed 
the quills not to get broken off as poor, as bad as they could have been uh, because those dogs that are in pain from those porcupine quills, what are they going to try and do the entire time between when they get hit by a porcupine and when you get them to a vet? Paw at their face, shake their head, smush it up against the side of the crate, breaking Break all of those quills off that then can't get pulled out and then can cause foreign body, migrating infections, working their way into eyeballs, brains, you name it, um, can be bad news bears. So we look at the situation more as it would be best to make sure that we get as many and all of these as possible in as quick a timing as we can without jeopardizing the dog for sure. Absolutely. But porcupines suck. (laughs) 100% they do. Poor dogs. And I mean, poor porcupines too, they're just protecting themselves, but still, the dogs, they're my pets, my, my babies. The porcupines are not my pets or babies. I think we've got, uh, is that all the stories we've got? That's all I had written For down. The, I mean, we have down. lots of other ones probably, but those are the most, I guess, exciting ones, if you will. Let's see here. I did want to mention here, we've got a bunch of folks here, I said at the beginning, but I do want to thank um, all of the folks that are members on Patreon. If you're not familiar with that, that is, it's our online dog training community that also supports everything that we do. Um, We have a a bunch of awesome followers there. Thank you to anyone that is a patron. Um, You can go there and say thanks to us if you've enjoyed the videos or um, sign up for the subscription service that is asking us questions about dog training. Standing Stone Kennels Patreon pages, patreon.com slash standing stone kennels. So now we want to get into answering some questions for you all. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really seen a lot of questions come, like specific questions being asked through. Lots of people commenting about other situations that they have. But if you guys are watching, listening now, and you do have some questions, this is the time to throw them in there. Yeah. Sometimes when we're talking, it's hard to multitask and keep a train of thought and read questions or comments at the same time. So we kind of were trying to look, uh, but definitely throw those questions in now. Um, If you've got one just burning a hole in your head, go ahead and throw a super chat up there. We do give those priorities. Um, As well as if you've got a situation where you need additional help, Patreon is a great place for that. We literally have over 100 entries. Oh, you were looking. I was just looking. I didn't know you were I had it. I had it all signed in, ready to go. I'm excited to give this water away. They're so cool. I love them. <laughs> They're freaking awesome. Any snake stories? No, we actually don't uh, have any. We don't have any that, that dogs are actually bit. Correct. Right? I mean, great. we've run into snakes in the field, rattlesnakes, um, and because we went run into them so few and far between and have not put any emphasis on them through snake avoidance training or anything like that, our dogs just don't even acknowledge them. Um, and then we move the dogs on and out of harm's way. This is a really good question. It says, um, are there any pre-made dog med kits that you guys recommend? And the well, cool funny, answer to funny that you is, should ask W Huggy. Um, we do have a med kit on our website, standingstonesupply.com. That's another big supporter of everything that we do. So if you're not interested in Patreon, but you say, I do need some dog training supplies and would love to. Or a med kit. Yeah, or a med kit. Or you don't win this waterer tonight and, and you, you just got to have gotta one. You got to have one. Yep. Standingstonesupply.com. Oh, cool. Super chat. 
Caitlin Dixon, random question. Should I be worried that my six-month-old GSP doesn't really point maybe twice at a noise or animal? No. Not worried, (laughs) um, but definitely you wouldn't want to necessarily put a ton of emphasis on sight pointing or like pointing things that they're unsure of. Um, we want to put, we had scent pointing opportunities. That would be a question. We would want to try and offer scent pointing opportunities, which means you need birds. Um, we're not going to put scent on bumpers or dead birds out in the field. We need live birds for dogs to point. Uh, but you have to set up those situations for the dog. So like I said, wouldn't be worried. You just wouldn't want to over emphasize and, you know, encourage all of the visual sight pointing things. But your puppy's still really young, six months. I mean, that's the very minimum age that we take dogs in for training. And most of those dogs that come in for training haven't had any pointing exposure or experience yet. So it's not like you're behind the game at all either. So I'm throwing a link up here because someone said, how did I miss those? I think we gave them a, one away last. Was it last Yawa that we gave the med kit yeah. away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's see here. Yawa question. How many good hunting seasons should I get out of my dog? You mentioned a 16-year-old. Does he still get some birds once in a while? Um, So that's a really good question. Obviously, it depends on the health of your dog, um, their body condition, things like that, which is why we put an emphasis on maintaining their conditioning throughout the year, that constant fluctuating of getting fat, then trying to take the weight off prior to hunting season or not getting the weight taken off before hunting season is really hard on a dog's body um, and can definitely shorten their longevity. So keeping your dog in good shape and good condition and not overfeeding them is really important for their health and well-being and their joints and things like that. Grandpa Rex, who's almost 16, he did he go hunting at all last year? No. I don't think he went hunting last year. But he did go hunting with us in South Dakota the year before. Um, So he was hunting still at 14. Um, Not like a guide dog by any means, just on a personal hunting trip, not overworking him. Uh, Nick's, like I said, he is almost 10. And if he hadn't had this injury, he would be hunting his little heart out in South Dakota this year. Uh, It does not slow him down at all. He's acting like a crazy puppy right now. Um, I would expect that he'll be hunting until at least 12, I hope, Um, you know, unless something unforeseen happens. Um, But 12, 13, 14 isn't unexpected. Just have your expectations be reasonable in a sense that your 12-year-old is probably not going to hunt as hard and as long as your three-year-old or five-year-old or six-year-old. 100%. Now, that may be different for Nick's when he gets past his injury, but... No, he hunts smart. He hunts smart. Yeah. It says, did you ever do a training series with a field bred English Cocker Spaniel? Nah, we haven't had time. We, um, you know, we only raise one puppy at a time and we've done the other series with the lab puppies. And then we always are kind of working toward our breeding program. So. Which is short hairs. We have probably leaned away from the the other breed training series at this point if we get to a point where we're like hey we don't have anything else to do uh, we'll probably consider at that point in time this potential but so um, basically never that's kind of a nice way of saying (laughs) no that's not necessarily never but we got a lot of irons in the fire shall we say Mm mm-hmm 
All right, here we've got one. It says, if a dog seems to be a little sore or have a sight injury. Slight, slight injury. Slight injury. Well, they've got these glasses on for anyway. Let me make this bigger. Um, you get it right away or rest the dog for a day or two and see how it gets better on its own, basically. Um, yes, we actually um, do let dogs rest, typically, unless it's pretty serious. If I've got a dog that's just a little sore... I have, because of our relationship with our vet, we have anti-inflammatory pain relievers, vetprofen, okay? So, vetprofen, let's see how you feel tomorrow. Unless it's bad, like I say, if it's a slight, like... If we have an impaled dog on a stick, we're going into the let's, vet. Let's uh, tape an aspirin to it. But we'll see how they are tomorrow. You just have to be able to evaluate the situation. Each situation is different. And we typically, if we have a dog sore or acting a little off, we kind of run through a gamut of tailgate health check type things, taking temperatures, checking gums, looking for any visible signs of soreness and injury, you know, manipulating their body a little bit saying, Hey, is you, you look like you're limping. Is it your shoulder? And trying to like manipulate a little bit. Keep in mind, these suckers are tough though. So it is sometimes difficult to see a pain response. Um, and oh, yeah. then you do, um, do that resting a oh, little yeah. bit of that profen in a day or two. Um, yeah, if it hasn't gone away, maybe it's time to see a vet. But um, we aren't vets, so I'm going to throw that caveat in there. So you have to do what's right for your dog and what you feel is right. Go with your gut. Absolutely. This one's real quick, and then we've got a super chat. Kennel comparisons? Actually shot that video this morning, folks. It'll take... Uh, like crate kennels. I'm guessing. Maybe. Crates. I did. Kennel comparisons? We shot a video comparing... Four major brand of kennels, crates, um, and I'll give you the teaser here. Included is the Gunner, Dakota 283, Rough Land Kennels, and the Lucky Kennel by Lucky Duck Premium Decoys. So we have all four of those in there. We talk about pros, cons, what we like, what we don't like. And which ones we use for what. So that video will be out within the next uh, few days to a week or so-ish. And uh, be looking that, for that on the YouTube channel. If you are a subscriber and you have notifications turned on, you get an email. New video. Aha. So, so you'll never chat. miss another Thanks really awesome video again. Yeah, a really awesome video. That's us. Um, somebody right here, li- live Yawa chat, just sent a thing. I don't know if that's an entry. I hope not. If you want an entry into the giveaway. Got to send it to the Gmail account. Yeah, that's Yawa to giveaways. The okay. Thank you for the super chats, folks. We really appreciate it. Yawa question. I used to go hog hunting, and now that I have my little duck hunting GSP, do y'all ever really worry too much about hogs. We don't have them in this area. No. But I have run into them firsthand in Texas, quail hunting. We bumped them out of a, an area, the middle of a field, middle of the day. They were running around. And my dogs didn't pay any attention to them, so we got off pretty easy. I guess if you've got a lot of them in your area and your dogs are keyed in on chasing or bothering the hogs there's a pretty good chance that you the dog could get messed up as you probably well know um i would highly recommend making sure your dog is color conditioned to recall so that if you run into a situation where you get into hogs or any other potentially dangerous situation you can get your dog back as soon as you need to get them to get back to Mm -hmm. you 
Yep, yep. And in that specific situation, if the dog is interacting, interested, chasing, excited about whatever, paying attention to said hog, this is a great opportunity for the rare occasions that breaking training is really beneficial. What we mean by breaking training is pushing the envelope of this is a really bad thing because it ultimately has the potential to save their life. Okay. Snake uh, avoidance training. Yep. So we're utilizes we're the same live action opportunity for hog avoidance training. And you're going to use more stimulation than you normally would to say that hog is bad. Leave it be. So good question. Really good question. Was there another super chat? Uh-uh. No, nope, we got that one. Okay. Just making sure I wasn't missing something. This Whoa. one was interesting. Said, I'm going in for CCL surgery tomorrow. My dog, excuse me. You got to go up a little bit. Okay. It's right below the, there it is. 11 month old lab. CCL surgery tomorrow morning. First time going through this. Any tips or tricks for the best recovery possible? Do not, I repeat, do not cut corners. Okay. Dogs are going to try and do what dogs are going to do, and you need to predict that is going to happen. Yeah, anticipate your dog tries to launch to the couch. On lead. Be, be, you know, what what is it, tough love here? No feeling bad for you? You're going to pay a lot of money for a surgery to fix this problem, and if you don't do the recovery part right, you could be right back there for a repeat, all right? And if you're struggling with keeping your dog a little calmer than talk normal, to talk to your vet. They can prescribe some medication that can help calm them down a little bit. Nix, post um, medial sternotomy, chest surgery, we talked about last time. What did they put him on? Tra- tramadol. tramadol. There we go. Tramadol. I knew it was Trazodone? like a tra- Trazodone or tramadol? Trazodone. Google. Tramadol. I think they're both like essentially. Which one are you Googling? Tramadol. Trazodone. I bet it's Trazodone. Antidepressant sedative. Yeah. Trazodone. What's Tramadol? Uh, treat moderate to severe pain. It wasn't Tramadol. Okay. Trazodone, trazodone. I believe. Pretty sure. But don't go and try and prescribe yourself this or your dog no, this. No, no, no. Go no. to your Just vet. Just go talk to your vet and say, hey, can we get something to calm the dog down a little bit? Because yes. we're trying to help them to be... Fully recover. Low right? key and heal here. So great question. Good luck with the surgery. Keep us posted. We'd love to see um, how things go. So Alyssa Tranchilla. I have an eight-month-old GSP that is all of a sudden gun shy and spooks at sudden noises. Thoughts. So that is a situation that you definitely are going to want to work slowly through um, so that we don't compound the problem. Typically, there's an instance where some noise creates a sensitivity in some adverse situation. Um, So I know you said that all of a sudden, had you done a proper gunfire introduction? Have you been hunting with your dog before or training with your dog before? And now all of a sudden, it's starting to have gun sensitivity issues? Or had you not done all of those steps and then you just tried to go out, start training kind of cold turkey and... Then you're seeing the issues, um, a little more information, but definitely gun sensitivity and gun shyness can be overcome. Don't think that you can't get there. Your dog's broken forever. We've worked with a lot of gun shy dogs. Eight months old is really young to be like, well, I guess we're just saying this is a no go. Um, 
And there are methods and things that can be done to help your dog get through this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, super chat. Darla Sharp, my 13-week-old pup Jazz, loves to retrieve. If I throw her toys, she zooms straight out and straight back to me and plays tug-of-war from day one. Continued. Okay, you're, she's writing more maybe. Or this was continued from another comment. Guessing it's coming. coming. There, there it is. Um, from day one session, so she will think of them as exciting. When I throw, she has always brought these objects directly back. I keep bumpers up and bring out only when I want to do a special retrieving. It's like you're a pro. Have you done this before? Have you watched our videos? So far, everything you're sounding saying is sounding absolutely perfect. I'm assuming there's more coming. Dang YouTube comments cutting you off at so many characters. Um, she races out but will not bring it back to me. Should I connect a check cord to her and throw bumpers or keep throwing objects she retrieves nicely and hold off on the bumpers? Okay, so if she has retrieving objects that she does really well without and back, keep conditioning that behavior. Um, the retrieve is a multi-step part. It has to be the desire to go out and pick something up and continue holding on to it and bringing it back. So the recall side of things, yes, a check cord can help. Um, collar conditioning to recall can help, but also conditioning the behavior of you go pick something up, you bring it back is also really good. And if you have her doing that with certain objects, keep working on that. And then Eventually, you can incorporate the bumpers because, of course, we're going to want to, you know, condition her to retrieve bumpers as well. And at that point, because you said I got to go back, go back 16 weeks, 13 week pup, little young to start collar conditioning, definitely could utilize a check cord if need be, but condition that retrieve and then potentially add that check cord. And as your puppy gets old enough, you can collar condition the recall so that when they go pick something up, they will bring it all the way back. But it sounds like you're on the right path. It really I mean, sounds like the right path. Doing the right things. Just keep in mind with a lot of this stuff, less is more, especially developing young dogs. It comes down to it's pretty easy to overdo stuff. You think about the level of attention span that they have at that young age. It's not much. So if you're getting one or two or three good retrieves, um, you know, bank that and then move on from there. I like to look at... Training um, is the smaller steps we take, the faster we get there. Now, if you take and you're at this level and you do some good retrieves and you go up to this level and then up to this level and you chip away at it gradually, um, it's a good thing. But if you do some good retrieves and then in the same session, you fall off of that ladder, it's one of those things that it uh, becomes essentially no gain or even lost gain, right? And then you try again. Oh, well, you got a couple good ones and then, oh, it fell off and we tried and tried and tried and dog didn't do it anymore. So ultimately you're not going this way anymore. You're going, you know, diagonally down or just staying the same all the time, not really making progress. So get a little progress. Don't get greedy. Get a little more progress the next day. Yeah. And gauge your puppy. You say she's super excited to retrieve right now. Race is right out there. Race is back. Keep in mind, teething is going to be coming up pretty soon. So you may want to take a break from retrieving during that process. As well as if you ever see a dip in that excitement because you're overdoing it, 
maybe take more than a day off, like a week off and then come back to it or until the teething is over and then come back to it. Because uh, something that we notice people get hung up on is they've got this new puppy. They want to do all the things and work with it constantly. And puppies are puppies, man. They don't have great attention spans. Um, They can only truly focus and work and make so much progress. And if we're trying to just like train, train, train all day long, every day or multiple times a day, um, they're going to potentially get bored with it, resent training. hundred uh, percent. And you don't want to cause those problems by overdoing things. Nailed it. We got another oh, heck yeah. super chat from Nicolette DeRook. I believe Nicolette is a patron. patron. Absolutely. So thank you also for the super chat and for being a patron. Um, thanks for all the amazing work. You have been my training partner since day one with my 16-month-old German wire hair pointer. Thanks so much. Oh, you're so welcome. No question, but thank you. We'd be happy to answer your questions on Patreon. Or here, anywhere. Or thank here, you very anywhere, much but for we being appreciate a fan. it. We appreciate you very much. Uh, Chris Polchny, thanks for going over my hog hunting avoidance comment when even with the horrible grammar, won't lie, sent from in, <laughs> in the shower. That's amazing. What better place than to watch uh, Yawa, I'm just saying, or listen to. Hey, I, hey, I'll admit it. Sometimes I listen to an audiobook while I am in the shower because it's like 20 minutes that I get to myself, right? Good God, woman. 20 minute shower? Are you are you saying good God, woman, to a 20 minute shower? I am. I am saying you should try the cold shower gig. The I cold bet shower you don't challenge. make it three minutes. Yeah, try shaving <laughs> try shaving your legs with goosebumps. I don't think so. No. It sounds horrible. Yeah. I could do no Why shave, shave November, right? No sounds shave like November. That's a great idea, mommy. Uh, thanks, Scott. It says, Ethan, age for uh, force fetch training clamp sloppy retrieves. Okay, so formal retrieving work. We typically um, steer clear of forcing and breaking terms because it's not really the approach that we take mentally to the training. Similar process, similar results, different mindset. All right, that's the way we want to think about this. Um, but on average, I would say... Kind of depends on your breed. Most retriever trainers that you talk to start this at six months old. As soon as they got permanent teeth, we start the force fetch training. Their words, quote unquote. Um, For us, I would say most of the time I'm looking for a little more mental maturity and maybe retrievers get that earlier than our dogs seem to, but uh, typically 10 Months to 12 months is a better window, I think. Um, I would agree. And we've also worked with labs and other breeds. And I would still say, on average, it seems like those dogs, all dogs, have a little more mental maturity for the more advanced levels of training, including formal woe training, formal retrieving work at that more 10-month-plus mark. uh, Because it takes a lot of focus, and it is a training um, goal, not necessarily just honing natural ability at this point. Um, yes, a lot of dogs have natural retrieving desire, but we're breaking down the retrieving process into its component parts. So we're essentially teaching a retrieve. Um, yeah. 11 months old. That's probably fine. Iceland. Is that what you saw? 
Uh, I saw what's better oh, question. I yep. saw somebody checked in from Iceland. I want to yeah. go to Iceland someday. That sounds like a really cool place. Doesn't it? I just want to travel again. Yeah, this is true. Now, isn't there something with the Iceland is green and Greenland, Greenland is, is ice ish. That's what I thought. That's what I thought too. But from, you I don't know, know. It high seems, school geography, it's it been a while. Really cool. Um, Aww. thank you, Marianne McKinney. We appreciate your support. Thanks for all your instructional videos. You're very welcome. Uh, Kaylin Kelly said, what's better flying there and back to pick up your puppy or driving? Um, Cause you're getting a puppy from us, I think, or are on the deposit list upcoming. So, or driving, which is a two day drive. I would absolutely fly. recommend flying. We have flown. Unless you can't fly, you're afraid to fly. Or you, he, you're from whatever. Can, are you from Canada? You're from Canada, I think. So definitely we'll have to check with like the border oh, situation. Canada. And some of the whatnot. coolest people I know are from Canada. And he just a? keeps interrupting <laughs> my answer. Sorry. Uh, I'm just teasing now. We actually have a video how to fly with a puppy. Obviously, things potentially have changed since we did that. That video was shot with uh, Clutch, the lab puppy that we went and picked up from New York, and we flew mm-hmm. back with him, and we showed as much of that process as we could, and that would be a great resource to watch. But keep in mind, if you're planning on flying, and it might be a little bit in advance still, uh, regulations change, airlines have new uh, mandates and everything, so check with them ahead of Alberta. time. But flying, yes, I knew it. Um, flying with your puppy would be less stressful on them, honestly, than a multi-day cross-country road trip, as well as the potential exposure to dog parky areas that you could pick something up on the travels home would um, be much less, what word? Your exposure rate's down. There we go. I can hear everybody from Canada that's watching tonight going, y'all better back off on the A jokes, you know, or something like that. (laughs) However, however, we Americans y'all talk. (laughs) It is. It is. All right, folks. I think it is a good time. Lots of great discussion. Thanks for all the comments. Thank you for the super chats and the support. We appreciate everybody that's here watching, which is why we wanted to be able to do these little giveaways um, each time that we can do this. And we're hoping once things mellow out coming um, out of this next month, which is very busy, which is why we jumped on this now, uh, you get the next one in November. And then we'd like to be able to move into back to bi-weekly or even weekly, being able to join in here with you guys. We love the discussion. We love answering questions and being here with you guys live. That our little boys are getting be determined. Yeah. Today. Our little boys are getting into a better schedule, um, being in bed by seven so that we can be ready to roll by seven thirty, which has been helpful. Um, otherwise it's been tough to get these rolling on a regular. So, okay. We are just about How ready. We How many got? Yep. We're just about ready. I'm refreshing 119, one to 119. Right. Oh, 120. 120. Anything this- else? Last chance. All, all done. 120. Okay. One to 120. Generate. Boom. 30. What do you got? Okay. So. Come from the bottom. Which would, I, yeah, I got to scroll. Lots yep. of scrolling. Yep, yep, yep. I understand. Or just sort them in reverse order at the top. You can do that too. Well, 
I'm now scrolled halfway to the bottom. So now I have to scroll all the way back to the top or just keep going. But, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm just doing it this way. We're so close. When is the next Patreon Zoom call? That is a great question. I know, guys. Sorry. Um, actually, you know what? I bet I could do it one night. Um, I bet I could do it in... South of, Dakota? Yeah, I bet I could do it one of our 10 overnights because um, you're essentially, you jump in there um, on your Google Meets and I would jump in on Google Meets. We'd be just like we're there. That would be that would be easy. Yeah, I bet I can make that work. We'll do it to, to be determined on that and we'll do the announcement on Patreon. And for anybody that doesn't know, if you are a patron, you get access to a patron-specific Q&A session, basically. We FaceTime, we chit-chat, BS about whatever we're doing, hunting, oh training, having fun. Did you screw it up? Well, no, I clicked on it, and when I clicked back, it went you to the top. You screwed it up. I'll answer this question while you're looking for number 30. I already found it. It's... It says, temperament-wise, compare the GSP to the GWP for with y'all's experience. Love the scruff face of the GWP. I love the scruff face. I love the beard. Fear the beard. Fear the beard. Love the freaking beard, okay? Um, I am not a huge fan of temperament. It's a very good thing that you say that. I would say on average, German wire-haired pointers or draughts, even more specifically, the more German versions of those. Um, on average, generalization, bad temperaments in comparison to the average GSP. Okay, they're usually, if I'm going to personally get bit by a dog in the kennel, it is a wire-haired breed. If somebody's going to start something in the kennel, now granted, we get short hairs in that start stuff. We get other dogs that start stuff. It happens. But if somebody's going to do it and they just said, start, there was a fight, whatever. Somebody grumped at somebody and I have the opportunity to pick, was it a wire-haired breed or was it was, was it any other breed? I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to put my money on the wire-haired breed, okay? They're typically a little harsher temperament, um, which is the nice way of saying, beep, they're jerks, okay? They can be. Can be. good dogs in every breed do exist, and I will say I have found a wire-haired breeder that has made a point, part of their breeding mission, it's collected between multiple guys, to not breed aggressive Wire hairs. Because they know it's a problem in they the brain. They know it's a problem. They're trying to improve it, okay? A lot of people turn a blind eye. Oh, yeah, wire hairs are harsh. Uh, harsher temperaments is just part of being a wire hair. And they are, uh, while well, you do your thing, I'll okay. look this up. I'm going to announce the number 30 winner, and you have until 8.54 to check in and say that you are here. Otherwise, we'll call the next person. It is Ty Peral. P-U-R-O-L. Tyler Peral. And I apologize if I sp- said your name wrong. This is it, I believe. I'm pretty sure. Look at the contact us page. Make sure I've got names. And I know that Ethan's saying, you know, that a wire hair might be starting stuff. Brutally is honest. Brutally right? honest. That's what you and get with me. is a generalization of the breed. 100%. Good Again, dogs in every breed. good dogs. Bad and, dogs in every breed. Yes. But... We have worked with a lot that have that harsher temperament. Um, we literally call them a little shifty-eyed in the kennel because you just can't quite trust them. They are like, oh, giving you some sketch face. So. I, I like this. Nick Led's statement says here they need good leaders and to set the tone. Um, 
my guy is the best. And like Kat said, I made a generalization. I don't want to offend anybody that has wire hairs because I have worked with some really nice ones as well. But, oh, Melanie, we're not talking about wire-haired pointing Griffons. They're kind of different. They're off in their own world. They're softies, typically. I'm talking about wire hairs, German German wire wire hair pointers. Or um, the, or Drothars. Drothars. Okay, DDs. Yep. So, um, generalizations. Tyler. Sandhill, no. Oh, 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 oh. Got yes. it. Sandhill. I wouldn't company. have known you were Heck here yeah. based on your, your YouTube name. Heck so, yeah. So now Tyler, what you need to do is shoot us an email with your, don't put it here. So everybody knows all your personal stuff. Shoot, nope, us, an shoot email us an email yep. with your contact information for shipping address and, um, Yes, this is the it. pertinent. I've got your email obviously for tracking info, but send that over and we will get you your water sent out. Tomorrow, right. probably, I'll put my shipping guy on it. Uh, sorry, I couldn't tell jokes through the comments. Oh, um, anybody that is interested, these are people that I found that is a collective specifically breeding for dogs that don't have that aggression, all right? So if you've got one too, you may be interested in reaching out to them. They're trying to grow quality dogs and improve on something that they feel like has the potential to be a problem in a generalized statement Okay. No offense to anybody, even though it is the the answer to the question as honestly, as brutally honest as I could. Um, I I do take a half step back because I know there are really good dogs that are wire hairs. I've worked with a bunch of them and I love the beard. Okay. And they are like the uh, Michelle said, We've had some beautiful German wire hair pointers in the kennel, and we have. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a very nice looking dog as well. Um, we're just talking about temperaments, though. Yep, 100%. 100%. Thanks, everybody, for joining us tonight. That's about all we have time for because we do have to load up a last few minute things to get Ethan on the road bright and early tomorrow morning. Just this camera equipment, basically. Yeah, <laughs> we needed it for this, but then it's got to get backed up. Yep, so yep, yep. thank you guys again for tuning in. We will be back next month with another Yawa. We'll announce it so you guys have plenty of time to plan. But I'm the guy with the pink gun. I'm Kat the dog trainer. We'll see you next time.